0: Lord on this worst of days and yet best of days we pray that you would speak to us Lord some of us have known you a long time and some just a short while and some are still moving towards you we pray Lord Jesus that you who opened wide your arms on the cross would open wide your arms today to all who hear this and that they might draw near to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Simon. I'm one of the ministers here. And what a great privilege it is to be invited to share with you on this occasion. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a remarkable and courageous pastor who protested and worked to undermine Nazism in World War II, uh, eventually was imprisoned and executed shortly before the end of the war. And during that time, he was able to smuggle out a few thoughts that he was having reflections and prayers from his time in prison. And one of them was quite remarkable. It was just a little scrap of paper. And on it, just a few words were scribbled. And they said this, Only the suffering God can help. Only the suffering God can help. They needed the allies to come and bring an end to the war. But he realized that behind all of this, was a greater darkness and a more severe suffering. And that to restore it, to put things right, we needed God. And God in his suffering makes things right. The ancient summary of the Christian faith that has been declared around the world and across the ages in the Apostles' Creed states succinctly these words. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. And these words are so familiar to us. We've heard them countless times. We've spoken them countless times. They trip lightly off our tongue. But today on Good Friday, we pause and we hold these words. And we stand or sit transformed and appalled and fixed before the cross. Today we think of Jesus, the loveliest life that the world has ever known, smashed against a tree. And why? Because only the suffering God can help. first thing i want to say is this that jesus death on the cross is foundational to our faith it's the foundation of our faith christianity is cross-shaped all the noble religions have their divinities and their sacred places and their sacred texts and their holy prophets and their spiritual devotions and their righteous acts of compassion and mercy and generosity. But only Christianity has a suffering God. Only Christianity has a cross. Only Christianity has a God who saves us by his suffering. The cross is the sine qua non of the Christian faith, without which it is not. It is the crux of the matter. The cross was not an unexpected, tragic ending to the story of Jesus. It was always meant to end this way. The night before he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus prayed aloud. He said this, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I've come to this hour. Jesus is born to die. The one laid in a manger is born to die. Crib and cross, crib and cross are made of the same wood, said Tilaka. My dear old dad was preaching some years ago at a brethren chapel down in the West Country where my sister was a member. And uh, there was a chap sat next to my sister who didn't know that my sister was related to the preacher. And as my dad was preaching about the cross of Christ, this chap next to my sister turned and said, oh, it's all old ground. Dismissing this message. He wanted to move onto something new. But it is old ground. And it's ageless and timeless and eternal. It reaches back to that tree in a garden at the beginning of time, and it reaches forward to the end of time. It's old ground. It's eternal ground. It's a battleground. It's the place where the powers of darkness conspired to put out the light. But there, the God of suffering, the light of the world pushes back. And it's holy ground where heaven and earth meet in this most vile of places heaven is opened up and access to god is made and it's the only ground it's the only ground that will take the weight of our sin and restore our suffering i was thinking early this morning about archimedes like one does And he, as some of you know, famously said, give me a place to stand and a lever long enough, and I will move the world. And there, at Golgotha, where Christ is crucified, And God suffers with us and for us to end suffering. There he takes a stand. And that lever is the cross. And the earth is moved. And darkness is pushed back. And death is pushed back. And access is made to God. It is foundational. Many in the world would think, we Christians are mad. What are we doing meeting on Good Friday? Why call Good Friday Good it was a bad day surely and why meet to celebrate it because we know that what today represents is God in a place in time and space putting things right and reaching out to us what a thing it's a foundational and it's historical we say in our creed we've heard in our reading that he suffered under pontius Pilate. Jesus' death was not a metaphor. It's not a myth. It's not some sort of metaphysical symbol. You know, the psychoanalyst Carl Jung said that the cross was just a symbol. He actually said it was a symbol of fire and that the cross represented two sticks rubbed up against each other. How weird is that? It's not a symbol. It was a real, actual event in time and space and history and chronology and geography where God breaks in, where the demonic broke out against God, but the Lamb wins. Pontius Pilate was a Roman prefect of the province of Judea serving under Emperor Tiberius between A.D. 26 and A.D. 36. He was really there. Real person in real history. The three greatest historians of the ancient world, the Greek Philo, the Jew Josephus, and the Roman Tacitus, all talk about Pilate. This really happened. We know who crucified Jesus. Pilate decreed it. The Praetorian God executed. As I, as I heard that reading today, The words stood out to me in the reading that they beat him again and again. Did you hear that? Just again and again. And we know where the cross was hoisted on a rocky knoll outside the city gate. And we know when during the feast of Passover, early on a Friday after a trial at Herod's at seven in the morning, a trial by Pilate at eight in the morning, crucified at nine in the morning, and breathing his last at three in the afternoon. History, an event in time and space. In the mid-second century, Tertullian offers a fascinating comment. He tells us, quote, that Pilate himself also in his own conscience was now a Christian. Amazing. Jesus, hanging on the cross, says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's what this is all about. Christ making a way for the Father to forgive us. And he's praying for forgiveness, even for those who have just crucified him, gambling over his kit at the foot of the cross. The Pharisees and the Sadducees stood at a distance, sneering and mocking, passers-by looking up and spitting. Pilate, who knew he was innocent, and yet decrees his death to bow to the manipulative powers who wanted Jesus out of the way. The demonic, yet Jesus says, Father, forgive them why because that's what it's all about it was historical and then Jesus death was brutal we say in our creed he suffered was crucified and died and as I said these words we, they, they, they sit so lightly they seem to have so little weight as we say them so often we're so overfamiliar with them and we need to pause and hold them for a while. He suffered. Betrayal and abandonment and a false trial and trumped-up charges and a beating by the Jewish authorities and another flogging and mocking and crucifixion and injustice and ignominy and agony. He He really suffered. Today, people wear crosses. I wear one. 2,000 years ago, crosses wore people. The Roman historian Cicero said it was the cruelest and most disgusting penalty, and the very word should be struck from common language. It should not even be mentioned in polite society. I'm aware that there are children here. I wasn't expecting them, so I'm going to have to miss out some of the things I was going to tell you. But in 1986, in the Journal of American Medical Association, there was a series of articles published on torture. I was going to read you some. I'm going to hold back, but let me summarize. It says pain. 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 And what finally kills Jesus is physically is the shock and the trauma and the suffocation and the heart failure. You know, our word excruciating, the core of it is crooks, and that is the Latin word for cross. This is agony of which we know not, but that isn't the worst of it. No, he who knew no sin became sin for us, God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And the punishment that brought us peace is put on him. And by his stripes we are healed. But he was the one who bore the punishment and the stripes and the guilt and was the sin bearers all put on him. And that wasn't the worst of it. The worst of it is that he who had enjoyed from all eternity this intimacy with his father is ruptured and he enters into the full consequence of our sin and the father turns away and turns out the light and he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he enters into our experience bearing our sin, taking the punishment that we deserve, taking the wrath of God on himself for us. This is unfathomable, but it is historical. God didn't design the cross, but he consigned his son there. The cross was the handiwork of the demonic. Jesus actually said on the night that he was betrayed, this is the hour of the power of darkness and yet god mysteriously and wonderfully is at work turning the darkness back on itself c.s lewis talked about it as a deeper magic being at work and god uses this evil suffering put on jesus and god takes that and accepts that as a willing sacrifice of the son and mysteriously and unfathomably receives that as the suffering for our sin. And when we look to Jesus, when we trust in him, when we say yes to his, yes to us, when we come to his open arms for us, when we lean there and linger there and say yes, then all that was achieved there on the cross is applied to us. And we can be forgiven and set free. Unfathomable. And truly wonderful. Jesus' death was a scandal. Paul called the message of Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. The word stumbling block there is "scandalon," from which we get the word scandal. It's a scandal. And the word for foolishness is the Greek word moronic, from which we get our word moronic. (laughs) This cross. This crucified God, this suffering God in time and space, this is foolishness. This is a scandal. This is ridiculous. And yet it is the power of God that saves us. The philosopher Hegel once said this, mad, mad, mad is the message of a God who becomes his own hapless victim and gets himself nailed to a tree. It's so offensive, and yet there is no other way open to us to be right with God. There is a moral offense. How can God's wrath be such as to require satisfaction in blood? Does our crime fit his punishment? There's an ethical offense. How can it be justice for an innocent to pay for the sin of a guilty one? This is a strange justice. There's a philosophical offense. How can the particularity of one man, what happens to him, affect the rest of the world before and after? There's a theological offense. How can God's eternal Son die? There's an existential offense. How can I, an individual, benefit from this event that took place thousands of miles away 2,000 years ago? How does that work? And there's a religious offense. How can you tell me all my good works aren't worth anything and that I need to receive and put my faith in this? It is an offense. Listen, don't be surprised if whenever you think about these things, there's something in you that just pushes back. Our our flesh can repel to, we think, what is this? And yet this is the mystery of God. And this is the heart of our faith. And this is what we believe. No wonder that the cross is never on easy terms with the world. You know, Madonna mopped the cross. She was asked why she wore crosses, and she said, because there's a naked man on it, and it's sexy. The cross is an offense. The cross is a scandal. The cross is that which people balk at. And yet it's the heart of our faith. And here in this awful, hell of a place, we come to heaven and God puts things right. The God who suffers with us and the God who suffers for us. And then lastly, Jesus' death was for us personal. This Good Friday, I encourage you to look again at the beautiful Jesus baptized in his own blood. Look again at the cross. Look again at the suffering son of God and speak to yourself and say, he suffered under Pontius Pilate for me, was crucified for me, died for me, was buried for me, descended to the dead for me. He did it for me. Don't think of this in some sort of abstract way. Out there or or for them. It's for you. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, how far you've been from God, whatever that's come out of your mouth about him, whatever you've done, whatever you've thought, he did it for you. Why? Because he couldn't conceive of an eternity without you. And he was willing to go to hell and back to bring you back to him. That's why. There's a famous old hymn that is called Green Hill Far Away. And there's 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 a stanza in it that says, We may not know, we cannot tell, what pains he had to bear. But we believe it was for us he hung and suffered there. Your and my sin put him there. But his love for you and me held him there. And he didn't die in vain. And his death was acceptable and sufficient. And it broke the power of sin, death, and hell. And on the third day, he rose again, victorious and glorious, a great yes over his death for us. It couldn't hold him. And when we trust in him, When we look to him, when we say yes to him, when we take hold of him, all that he's won for us is given to us. What a thing. Good Friday. Amazing Friday. No other Friday like it in the history of the universe. Love lies bleeding for you.